Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from our special guest. we thank you for your presence we thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit and Lord as the word is about to go forth Lord I pray God that hearts would be open and receptive and Lord I pray Lord just what we sung make this house a house of prayer make it a house of prayer make it a house of prayer in Jesus name amen amen can you clap your hands to the Lord come on he's worthy he's worthy Come on, come on, keep it going. He's worthy of all the praise. He's worthy of all the honor and the glory forever. He is holy forever. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, you are worthy. Amen, amen. You can be seated tonight. How are y'all doing tonight? Just so y'all know, I like it when people talk back to me when I preach. All right. Tonight, I believe it's going to be a good night. I believe it's already been a good night, but I believe it's going to get even better. I'm really, I'm pumped to be able to bring the word to you tonight. In case you don't know who I am, in case you're new to Love and Truth Church, Savannah, um, my name is Tyler Gibbs. I'm actually the student director over Love and Truth Youth, and uh, Love and Truth Youth is currently going on right now in the back in Auditorium B, and I believe that the power of God's breaking out back there in our students. I, I believe that with everything I have in me. There's actually some students bringing the word tonight. There's students bringing the word tonight um, in a panel. Yeah, that's something to give God praise for. Um, And they're actually talking on the same subject that what we're going to talk about a little bit tonight. Um, But before I get into the word, I just want to give honor where honor is due. I know um, Pastor AJ and Pastor Crystal are not in the room tonight. I know he'll be listening listening to this via podcast later. Um, But I just want to give honor to Pastor AJ and Pastor Crystal because, man, we we are so blessed to have campus pastors that lead at such the level that they do. Um, I'm telling you, I come in every single morning. I walk in through those doors, and I walk past this audit. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Check one, two. Is my mic still there? Thank you, Andrew. I don't know what happened there. Holy Ghost, I don't know. But, um, you know, I walk past these doors to go to the office And um, I look in this auditorium, and Pastor AJ, every morning, every morning, he's walking this auditorium, and he's praying. He's praying for you. He's praying for this house, and he's calling out to God for revival every single morning, just as our bishop does, Pastor Eddie Couples. Every single morning, he's in in the auditorium there in Jackson, or in in other words, he, he was actually here this morning in this auditorium praying. He does that. We have some praying pastors, and I don't know, I don't know if you're thankful for it, 
but I'm thankful for it. So can we just, I know they're not here, but can we just honor our campus pastors real quick? And if we can, give me some more volume, please, in the house. Um, tonight, tonight's going to be a special night. Pastor AJ, he's given me a very specific assignment for the night. Um, he started, last time he brought the word on a Wednesday night, he started a series on the topic of prayer. And uh, I'm going to continue that tonight. And specifically, we're going to talk on the subject of corporate prayer. That's what we're going to talk about tonight, corporate prayer. Um, and prayer, I believe, prayer doesn't have to be just a duty. Prayer doesn't have to be just a discipline. I believe prayer can be a delight. I believe it can be something that we wake up in the morning and we can't do nothing but just hit our knees because we love the Father so much that we want to spend time in His presence, right? There was a man by the name of Larry. I'm not talking about Larry Bird over here, wherever he is. <laughs> Larry, he went to a, a revival service, and uh, he, li- he was listening to the preacher preach, and, and while the preacher, um, at, after a while, the preacher asked if anyone was in need of prayer, and specifically asked for them to come to the front um, to the altar if they, if they needed prayer. So Larry, he gets up, he comes to the altar, he gets in line, And when it's his turn to be prayed over, the preacher comes up to him and he says, Larry, what do you want me to pray for you about? And he said, preacher, I need you to pray for my hearing. I need you to pray for my hearing. So the preacher, he does what every good Pentecostal charismatic preacher does. He laid hands on him. Laid hands, put one finger in Larry's ear, laid the other hand on the top of his head, and began to pray and pray and pray and prayed in the Holy Ghost. After a few minutes, the preacher removed his hands, and he said, um, he said, Larry, how is your hearing now? Larry said, I don't know, Reverend, it's not till next Wednesday. <laughs> oh, I'm not one to tell jokes. I don't know why I just did that. Um, how many of you know there's power in prayer? There's power in prayer prayer even even more so than that i believe there's power wonder working power when we come together and we pray together tonight i'm going to talk about corporate prayer and the title of my message it's up on the screen is prayer gathering because that's what corporate prayer is it's a gathering it's a gathering of the body of christ It's a gathering of the sons and daughters. It's a gathering of the believers coming together with one purpose, one pursuit. And that pursuit is Jesus, right? We come together, we believe for Jesus to come and to change us. And I believe it's it's important. I think it's important for us to gather together in prayer. But I have to ask the question tonight, why is it that a corporate prayer service is the least attended service, not only in Love and Truth Church, but in the church as a whole. I don't know why. We have anthem prayer, in case you don't know, we have anthem prayer service that happens every month, once a month. You Typically, the first Sunday night of every month, we gather in this room and we pray. And I don't know why it's not the biggest gathering that we have. There's so much power 
in prayer. When we come together and we believe, that's when things become, that's when things begin to shift in the spirit. And we're going to see that in the scripture when we dive into it. I believe that a prayer gathering or corporate prayer is so important because if redemption hinged on my prayers alone, then what hope would anyone have? If, if hope hinged on Pastor AJ's prayers alone, then what hope would we really have? We need the body of Christ to come together. To come together and just fall on their face and pray and believe that God would do something miraculous. So let's open up the word tonight. Let's go to the book of Acts. The book of Acts chapter number 4. All the Pentecostals were hoping I was going to Acts chapter 2. But we're going to be in Acts chapter 4. And uh, we're going to begin reading in verse number 24. Acts 4 beginning in verse number 24. And I'm a little old school. um, So let's stand tonight. Let's stand for the reading of the Word of God. If you don't have your Bible, if you don't have your phone on you, the, the Scriptures are on the screen. Acts 4, beginning in verse number 24, it said, When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Let me pause right there just for a second. Do you notice that it says, all the believers? And I don't know if you know this, I'm, I'm not... I'm not real big into looking at dictionary words, but all means all. All means all. All the believers not only prayed, but they all lifted their voices. All the believers lifted their voices. You notice so many times in the church, the preacher will begin to pray in the microphone and everyone else is silent and just listening. But the scripture tells us here in this story, here in this passage... All the believers, all of us, lifted their voices. And there's something that happened because of that. We're going to keep on reading Acts 4, um, continuing in verse number 24. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city for Herod and Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hands with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of the holy servant Jesus. Do I have any people in here that still believe that signs, miracles, and wonders happen? They still happen. Verse 31. After this prayer. Someone say, after this. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. In verse number 32, all the believers were united in heart and in mind. Let's pray tonight. Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I believe what the scripture says, that when the word of God is brought forth, it will not return void. So Lord, I pray tonight. May it not return void. 
I just pray tonight, God, that this would become a prayer gathering. It would become a prayer service tonight. That we would contend and believe that you are the God of revival. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... You can be seated in the house of God tonight. So we're looking at this topic of a prayer gathering, looking at corporate prayer. And what we see here in Acts chapter 4 is exactly that. There is a corporate prayer service happening. We read it in verse 24. All the believers lifted their voice together in prayer to God. I want to talk tonight. I have one question, one question tonight that we're going to cover. What is the purpose of corporate prayer? What is the purpose of the gathering of the saints in prayer? Why is it important? What's the purpose of it? I've got five reasons. There's many reasons. I've got five. I promise I'll I'll try not to last for two hours up here. Um, I know it's been a long week. I know it's midweek. I know it's Wednesday night. I know getting the kids to all the sporting events has been crazy this week. I know work has been stressful. But can we just lean in for a minute? Can we lean in to what the Word of God has to say? What is the purpose of corporate prayer? Number one, if you're taking notes, it unifies the body of Christ. Corporate prayer unifies the body of Christ. And uh, the way it looks to me is that the church seems more divided than it ever has before. I don't mean love and truth church. I mean the global church, the capital C Church, the church, the body of Christ seems to me like it's more divided than it ever has been before. Divisiveness over secondary issues, over issues that aren't heaven and hell issues. I'm not going to dive into that because I'll offend some people. But I believe we're so divided over these issues that aren't even, that aren't even heaven. Now, I completely agree that if, if there's someone preaching a false, heretical gospel, yes, we do need to divide from them. We don't need to associate with them because they're preaching a false gospel, right? But if it's a secondary issue, then why are we divided? Why are we divided? We see division over politics. And, and I'm really, I am going to offend the, the religious people right here. In case you don't know, Jesus isn't Republican or Democrat, nor is he independent. We divide over these things. We divide over ideologies. What we're seeing right now, we're seeing entire denominations split down the middle because they they are arguing over clear scriptural doctrine. There's division happening all across the church. Let's lay the church aside for a second. Let's look at our nation. Let's look at the United States of America. We're more divided than we ever have been before. It's split down 50-50 between Republican and Democrat. What are we doing? How do we expect our nation to be united if the church is divided? How do we expect our nation to be united if the local church is divided itself Because here's what I know. I know the church has always and will always be the institution that leads the charge in bringing change to this world. Let me say that again. The church has always and will always be the institution that leads the charge in creating change. So that means that if we want our nation to come back to God, the local church needs to lead the way. That means the body of Christ needs to lead the way. That means we need to come together and have a prayer gathering. 
Because the scripture says that if my people who are called by my name, right, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will heal their land, but it's only by believers coming together. In in Acts chapter 4, we read it, verse number 32. I'm skipping all the way down to the end. It says, all the believers were united in heart and mind. It says, all the believers were united in heart and mind. And here's what unity doesn't mean. Unity does not mean we will always agree. It's not what it means. And I'll go a step further. I believe it's important that we surround ourselves with people that believe different than us. Because iron sharpens iron. I believe it's important that we have people gather in our church that don't look like us, that don't talk like us, that don't vote like us, that don't believe exactly the same thing that we believe. It's important that we have that diversity. Because unity is not uniformity. You know what unity means? Unity means that we lay aside our own thoughts, we lay aside our own agenda for one pursuit. One pursuit. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We, we lay aside our own, our own intellectual thinking and we unite together. We lock arms together. So we can see God move. Unity does not mean uniformity. And so what is the purpose of corporate prayer? Number one is to unify the body of Christ. The body of Christ is never more unified than when they gather together and pray. Never more unified. Number two. Number two. Corporate prayer encourages the people of God. Corporate prayer encourages the people of God. Corporate prayer takes our attention off of our own problems. How many of you got problems? Anybody got problems? Raise your hand. Now, now don't look to the person beside you now. Don't act like they're the problem. Don't do that. None of that. I don't want to do any marriage counseling. Don't want to do that. If you do need marriage counseling, my email is ajfowler at leventrychurch.com. We got problems, right? Corporate prayer takes our attention off of our own problems and refocuses us to look at the one who holds our solution. Let me say that again. Corporate prayer causes us to take our attention off of our own problems and refocuses us to look at the one who holds our solutions again, that name of Jesus Christ. That's why it's vital for us to gather together. To gather together as believers. Can I I go on a rant for just a minute? I am sick and tired of people saying that the church isn't necessary. I'm sick and tired of people throwing stones at the local church. You better not talk about Jesus' bride like that. Better not. If you talked about my bride like that, we'd be throwing some hands. I'm sick and tired of it, man. I'm sick and tired of people thinking that they can just sit at home. I don't mean to offend you tonight. But sitting at home in their pajamas watching a TV screen. That's not church. That's not church. The church is the gathering 
of the saints, the gathering of the believers coming together under one banner, Jesus. So I have questions. I have, I have students ask me this all the time, literally all the time. Teenagers ask me, is church essential? Is church essential? And I always answer back like this. Is it essential for salvation? I don't know. We can argue. We can look at that in Scripture. We can argue. I'm not going to get into it. But it is. The church is essential to unlock your potential. The church is essential to unlock your potential. The Scripture tells us in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 10, it says, Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but, look at that word, encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let us not neglect. So is the church essential? It's essential to unlock your potential. Because I'm telling you that if you don't get plugged into a local church, you will never unlock your kingdom potential. Because whenever you gather with the saints, that's when there's opportunity opportunity for you to be corrected. That's when there's opportunity for you to be rebuked. That's when there's opportunity for you to be able to grow. Whenever someone can speak a prophetic word into your life as it draws out the gold. You know that's what prophecy is. It's drawing out the gold in someone's life because sometimes we get blocked by our shame, our guilt, our condemnation so much so that we can't see the, 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 the potential that we have in Christ Jesus. So whenever we gather with the believers... And someone calls out that gold, it realigns us to our focus of our potential. It causes us to go to that next level, that next place of our kingdom potential. You will never unlock that if you're not part of a local church. So is church essential? It is to unlock your potential. Verse number 31 here in Acts chapter 4 it says, after this prayer, the meeting place shook. Can you imagine if that happened tonight? If we lifted our voices to such a degree that heaven invaded, the power of God invaded, and this, this auditorium physically shook under the power of God. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and then they preached the word of God with boldness. I don't know about you, you know, I'm still on my point of encouraging the people of God. If that happened tonight, that sure would encourage my faith. That would fuel my faith. That would cause my faith to arise. I would be encouraged. I'd be encouraged to see this whole altar filled with people being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in another tongue. Fill my faith. It encourages, as we gather together in corporate prayer, it encourages the people of God. Number three, number three, corporate prayer, what is the purpose of it? It disciples believers in prayer. Corporate prayer disciples believers in prayer. Because I, I know this, whenever you got saved, a lot of us didn't know where even to start when it came to prayer. We had nowhere, what do we talk about? How, does, how do people talk to God for three hours straight? How in the world do they do that? We don't know what to say. We pray for what feels like an hour, and then we look at, the, at, at our watch, and it's been 45 seconds. We're like, what in the world? We prayed over everything. We even prayed over the neighbor's dog. Like, what? Disciples people, as we come together in a prayer gathering, it disciples people in prayer. You know... 
there's a good friend of mine, one of our youth leaders. He's actually down in Highlands College right now, Parker Stanfield. Um, love that brother so much. He said this because this past summer in LTY, back there in youth, we've literally, we've spent the whole summer talking about prayer. I've been in a series all summer long on prayer, and they're wrapping it up for me tonight. And um, at the beginning of that series, before we even started that series, I had lunch with Parker one day. And uh, I was just sharing with him what was on my heart about this next series and whatnot, and he was sharing some things too. And he looked at me and he said this. It was really profound. He said, there's a lot of people, and he was speaking this about teenagers, but I believe it applies across the spectrum. There's a lot of people that want to pray, but they just don't know how to pray. People want to pray, but they just don't know how to pray. When we come together in corporate prayer, it disciples believers in how to pray. As we hear others pray, it expands the way that we pray. I look back at my childhood. I grew up, I grew up in church. I heard the, the brothers and the sisters going at it praying. And you know what it cost? It caused me to pick up some, some language. It caused me to pick up being able to, to tap into the presence of God in an incredible way. I remember those things. As we gather together in prayer, if you, if you don't know how to pray, anthem prayer service that we have in here every month is the perfect place for you to be because you will hear people pray. And you will pick up on that. You will learn how to pray. Let's think about this for a second. What's the main thing a disciple does? What's the main thing a disciple does? You know, another word for disciple is apprentice. It's apprentice. It's probably a better um, description of a disciple rather than a follower, an apprentice. I was watching, me and my wife, we're late to the ball game on this. But we just started watching The Chosen, okay? Literally, we're on season one right now. And uh, we, just the other night, we were watching the, 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 the episode where Jesus turned water into wine at the wedding party. And his disciples that he had gathered thus far was, was there, and they were talking, they were looking at, they were watching Jesus. Jesus was interacting with a bunch of children, and they were watching Jesus. And Simon Peter began to talk about how he was a fisherman, and he was an apprentice underneath his father. His father taught him how to fish. And he talked about in the, in the episode that his father didn't get on hands and knees and show him everything that had to do with fishing. Didn't show him every step of the way. Simon Peter said, I just stood back and I watched. I watched until it was my turn to step in and become the fisherman. And in The Chosen, Mary, she looks back and says, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to watch. We're going to watch Jesus. We're going to watch him. We're going to watch him. We're going to watch him. We're going to watch him, she said, forever. That was so powerful to me. That's what corporate prayer has the ability to do for us. As we gather, we watch people praying. We hear people pray. Has the potential to disciple you, to build up your prayer life in a special, special way. So what is the purpose of of corporate prayer. Number one, it's to unify the body of Christ. Number two, to encourage the people of God. Number three, disciples, believers in prayer. Number four, it cultivates a spirit of repentance. Cultivates a spirit of repentance. 
I want to read a passage of Scripture out of the book of Nehemiah, one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. Nehemiah chapter number 9, verse number 1. It says, on, on October 31st, the people assembled again, and this time they fasted, dressed in burlap, and sprinkled dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all the foreigners as they confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. There's that confession piece. They were confessing their sins together. They remained standing in place for three hours while the book of the law of the Lord their God was read aloud to them. Pause right there for a second. Three hours? They weren't listening to a guy preach. They weren't listening to a guy hoop and holler. They were listening to the law being read to them. Three hours. And you're telling me we can't... We, we can't sit in a 60-hour church service on a Sunday morning without getting the fried chicken spirit all over us. Three hours. Three hours. They sat and they listened to the word of God be spoken. But guess what? That's not it. Then for three more hours, they confessed their sins and worshiped. The Lord, their God, at the core of every great move of God. You look in scripture, you look at revival history, at the core of every great move of God, there is a spirit of conviction and repentance present. Every single one of them. Corporate confession is more needed today than ever before. And when I say that, I don't mean you come up to the stage and you grab the microphone and you tell all your deepest, darkest secrets. That's weird. I'm not talking about that. Nobody wants to do that. I don't want to do that. But as we open our mouth and we confess, all of us, we confess our sins. We say, God, I'm messed up. I'm a messed up person, but you are my Savior. I confess. You know what confession is? Literally, confession is agreeing with what God has said. So we agree, we agree with what God has said about our sin, so then we turn away from it. That's what confession is. We lift our voices in confession. Corporate confession is so needed. This is what Proverbs said, Proverbs 28, verse number 13. It says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. As we confess and receive his grace, there is a fresh awakening to the power of the Holy Spirit. Every time. Cultivates a spirit of repentance. Number five. I told you I wasn't going to take forever. AJ, if you would come. Just to make them think that I'm about to be done. Number five, what is the purpose of corporate prayer? Corporate prayer often precedes revival. Corporate prayer often precedes revival. I'm a, I'm a nerd for revival history. I love to go back. I love to read about past revivals, about how God has moved. And, and it's actually pretty cool. All of our staff, Pastor AJ, myself, Pastor Derek, Sarah, AJ, we're all students of revival. We love revival. We love, we love talking about it. We love studying it. And I was thinking about how every great move of God, every revival, most of them started with a prayer meeting. 
most of them started with a corporate prayer. One of my favorite revivals um, that, I, that I go back and I read and I study about is the Azusa Street Revival. The Azusa Street Revival that happened in California back in the early 1900s. There was a man by the name of William Seymour. William Seymour, and he had about seven other men with him, the story goes, and they were all gathered together to pray. That's what they did. They just gathered together to pray because they believed there was more. Anybody believe there's more? They believed there was more. And so they, they sat and they just waited, just as they did on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. They just sat and waited, and they prayed. They said, Lord, Send your Holy Spirit. And the story goes like this, that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the power of God fell, and they all, all the men that were gathered together, they were all knocked out of their chairs by the power of God, and they all began to speak in tongues, and there sparked a revival that lasted for a long time. And actually, the Azusa Street Revival was actually the revival that reignited the Pentecostal charismatic movement that we still see and that we're part of, Love and Truth Church, today. Because we are a church that believes in the power of God. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire evidenced by speaking in other tongues. We believe in that. Amen. Amen. And it all was reignited by a few men who gathered together to pray. And believe that God was going to send the Holy Spirit. When I look at Acts chapter 4, verse number 31, it says, After this prayer, the meeting place shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. I don't know about you, but that sounds like revival to me. That sounds like revival. If this place began to shake tonight, I'm going to be the first one running around this building. Revival is taking place. And here's, I believe, I believe what the apostle has said. I believe what the prophet has said. I believe what the evangelist has said. I believe what the pastor and the teacher have said. That we are, Love and Truth Church, we are in revival. We are in revival. We're just increasing. We're going from glory to glory, and it's increasing. What would happen? What would happen if we did what Acts chapter 4 told us to do? What if we did what they did in Acts chapter 4? Verse number 24, when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voice in prayer to God. What would happen if we all lifted our voice? Revival would happen. That's what would happen. Revival would happen. Revival would occur. I believe if we all lifted our voices to the heavens. Let me ask this. We all the time, we pray for this. We pray, Lord, heaven, let heaven invade earth. Right? Let heaven invade earth. Let the kingdom of God come. What would happen if earth invaded heaven? What would happen if earth, if we invaded heaven with our prayers? I believe that would definitely cause heaven to come down. I believe it would cause it. If we would invade heaven with our prayers. 
the, the result would be heaven would then return the favor and invade earth. Stand to your feet all across the room tonight. I believe with all of my heart that Acts chapter 4 can happen again. I believe it can happen again. I believe that in this meeting place, the place can shake. I believe that all can be filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe that souls can be saved. I believe we can get to such a point in the move of God that we don't have enough towels. We don't have enough baptismal robes to baptize all the people that are being baptized. I believe we can come to a place in the place of revival where there's people that come in. I I just... I believe what the prophet said, that there would be a line going out this door of people coming just to be healed. Blind eyes being opened, deaf ears. Paralyzed people getting up and walking. I'm bold enough to believe it. I'm bold enough to believe for it. But it all starts you know where it starts? Right here. Right here. On our knees. Calling out to God. If my people who are called by my name will seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive them of their sins. I will heal their land. It all starts at the place of prayer. Do I have anybody that believes that? Acts chapter 4 says that all the believers lifted their voice together in prayer. So what are we going to do? We're going to lift our voice together. We're going to pray. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week. Thank you.